Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching Badass Rockabilly Track. Now locating evil symbiotes in the vicinity. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. So, man, my daughter has had, like, this bad case of Pokemon fever recently. I mean, at uh, least for the last couple of months. I, I know I've probably talked about it on the show here and there, but, like... Apparently, it's not as bad as some, like, grown-ass adults out there who've just lost their freaking minds. Like, have you seen this insanity on the news lately? No, what's going on? So, like, Target and Walmart have actually been forced to pull the cards off the shelves because these dumb motherfuckers just don't know how to act. Like, I've talked about before, like, on the show, how, like, everything hobby-related or, like, you know, collector-related has just gone through the roof, like, you know, during the pandemic. Well, I guess mm-hmm. now like scalpers, like the scum of the earth, if you're, you know, a collector like me, has set their eyes on Ash and Friends, especially like with like the 25th anniversary happening this year and everything. So like there are stories of people stalking and harassing vendors who like stock the shelves in these stores. Like I guess there was one where, like, this woman was being harassed by, like, these scalpers every day as she, like, came in and brought in new cards. Like, so much so that they had to, like, move the cards behind, like, the counter. And then, then, on top of that, that wasn't enough. She actually had her car stolen. So I guess they were expecting, like, the mother load, like, inside her car. Uh I don't know. Completely different story. Another vendor found a tracking device on her vehicle like someone was trying to track to see where she was going next right all this for pokemon cards someone's gotta be pressing charges right (laughs) oh yeah no i'm pretty sure i hope so at least (laughs) now i have to explain to my daughter why like a group of selfish morons are ruining it for everyone else I mean, I guess you could tell her that's just life now, I guess. I don't know, man. I don't remember, like, as a kid, like, not be able to buy my favorite toy because they had to get pulled off the shelf because, like, people are, like, <laughs> stealing the vendor's cars and, like, harassing them, like, in the aisles. It, like, that wasn't exactly. a thing. Uh, <laughs> that's insanity. It's crazy out there. Like, we're still, you know, expecting PS5 storages until next year. And I'm like, I already know scalpers are continuing to just making a hell for everyone. Yeah, but so they're not taking the PS5 like off the shelves. True. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a little ridiculous. That's new for me. Like, I've never heard that because, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, being an avid like toy collector, like we're dealing with scalpers all the time. You know, it's, it's a big mm-hmm. problem like in the community. But like, I've never had it where like, you know, Target's just said, no, we're not going to carry Star Wars anymore. 
Like that's just not happened, uh-huh. right? So this is brand new territory for me as, you know, as a hobbyist. I guess at first I was a little excited by the idea of, you know, like all these trading card stores I know that are around me, you know, maybe they'll get, you know, more traffic now because yeah. people are so into, you know, collecting. But now I'm a little worried that they're going to get their fucking window smashed in to get some Pokemon cards. People have lost (laughs) their freaking minds. I'm telling you. People were stealing cereal boxes because there were Pokemon cards inserted like a free giveaway in some of the boxes. (laughs) That's fucking nuts. Aren't you glad I'm not a big Pokemon fan? Oh, my God. It's just, And the thing is, I don't even think it's like the hardcore fans. I honestly mm-hmm. think it's just a group of scalpers looking to make a quick buck. So, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know. The world, the world's going to hell, Christian. And the name You're of Pikachu, me. the world's going to hell. <laughs> I knew that on a shirt. <laughs> but anyway, enough Pokemon drama. Christian, how was the giveaway this past week over on the uh, old Twitch channel? Well, we had a fun time getting some new subscribers, getting some new followers in general. Um, you know, uh, it was a good time. You know, we got a winner, Hub City. Uh, one of our first subscribers, actually, I was very happy that he got to win because he's he's been supporting the show before he was even a subscriber. It, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a good it time. It pays to be loyal, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, make sure that you check out the Amazing Nerd Show on Twitch. Make sure that you're subscribed because I guarantee that won't be the last subscriber giveaway that I do in general. So that's uh, there'll be more gaming opportunities in the future. And hey, you can subscribe for free using your Amazon Prime account. So, I mean, great opportunity right there. Yeah. Amazon Prime, not using it on anyone else. Use it for me. It's that easy. I mean, Christian is busting his ass over there, putting out like (laughs) entertaining content. What, like three times a week, right? Four times. Four times a week while he could be working on the fucking podcast. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. But, you know, definitely go ahead and subscribe. I mean, it is going to be worth your while. Absolutely. I've been adding new things on the stream, new things for chat, new things for subscribers. So definitely check out the actual stream on Twitch. Um, And I actually just finished Resident Evil today. So later on the show, I'll be giving my full grade and review for it. All right. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, first up, we got some casting news for the Knives Out sequel. That's right, Christian. This past week, we got a slew of casting announcements from the newly acquired Netflix sequel. David Batista, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn and Edward Norton will all be joining Daniel Craig in the Ryan Johnson produced and directed film. Absolutely. I mean, that's a good group of characters right there. A lot of good actors. I, I'd like to see all of them bounce off each other. Like Batista, do you think it's going to be more of a, you know, big bad guy type of role for him? Or do you think they're going to go more of his uh, comedic roots that we've seen in Drax? That's typecasting, man. And, and that's asking? hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge a book by its cover, Christian. Well, I was dis- I was disappointed in his role for Bond because I thought he could he can talk. He has, yeah. you know, some acting chops there. And I would have liked to have seen more of that than him being, you know, the silent big guy assassin. So I'm kind of curious, like, what kind of role will he get in a film like this where it's like all these characters that have to really defend themselves and bring out stuff like that? I wonder if they'll go more along the lines of maybe a Drax type character. It's definitely for him. a dialogue driven movie. At least the first yes. one was. So 
I'm, you know, he's got acting chops, so he can handle it. So I'm sure, you know, they probably casted him accordingly. So, um, but who knows? Uh, I was surprised to see that, like, we don't have any, and maybe this will change, but at least right now they haven't announced any characters from the first film returning besides, you know, Daniel Craig's character. Um, because it did feel like it was kind of set up for a, a sequel to that story, the way that movie ended. But, I mean, I guess this is just going to be, like, just the adventures of, like, you know, Benoit Blanc. I mean, this is a huge deal for Netflix, though. Like, I mean, the fact that they paid $400 million for, like, you know, the next two sequels. I mean, The first one was a huge success, and I loved mm-hmm. it, but Jesus Christ, that's a lot of money. I mean, do, do you feel like the deal is worth it? Do you think enough people will want to go to Netflix just for this film? Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know if it's going to really attract, like, new subscribers. But, I mean, the film was a big hit, so maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, they've I mean, got I, all the money. I mean, they're not uh-huh. hurting. <laughs> regardless of, like, Disney Plus, like, gaining scheme. I- I'm sure they're doing fine. And they definitely need the content. And this is something that's proven. Well, I mean, I don't want to play spoiler here, but it was Catherine Hahn all along, right? <laughs> like, I agree. <laughs> or Batista. <laughs> or Batista? Possible. Or Batista. Batista will probably die in the first scene, I'm guessing. <laughs> you think it's his death <laughs> maybe yeah we'll we'll know if Batista's playing the butler because you know the butler either dies at you know the first scene or he's usually the murderer so exactly it's always the fucking butler <laughs> well speaking of murder scream five not a sequel that's according to courtney cox but she's kind of all over the place let me read her quote here because i'm not sure what the hell she's trying to say um this fifth one it's not scream five though this is scream it's hip it's scary it's just a new screen it's not a reboot it's not a remake it's just a brand new launch christian is this this sounds like a fucking remake, right? Like, uh-huh, like uh... <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, if Nev Campbell, David Arquette, and Courtney Cox are all back in this film playing the same characters, even for, more, like, five minutes, it's a fucking sequel. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you can dress this up all you want, but like at the end of the day, a pig's a pig and a sequel's a sequel. <laughs> like if they're in this film, if all that group, that core group of characters from mm-hmm. like the original films are in this film, it's a fucking sequel. Like even if they die in the first scene, like you can carry on with like a new group of friends, but it's still going to be a sequel technically. So, I mean, I, I, I understand like reboot, sequel, those are like dirty words nowadays. I don't see why it is what it is, but. You know, that's Hollywood, I guess. I hope it's not like a twist where it's like all the, you know, original cast are just the killers for this one. You know, it's just like they're all working together. But once again, that's still a sequel, (laughs) right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you think they'll go like um, that that newer Ghostbusters film route where they are playing different characters? Yeah, just cameos. Um, they were announced as returning as their characters, but I guess that could just be a swerve, and maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think people would be annoyed with that, though. I'd rather have them just not in the film and just like restart the story, like retell the story, 
you know, with a different group of friends. Because, I mean, this story works. Like, I mean, you had the connective thread of Sydney throughout all the sequels, but you could have mm-hmm. just, you know, go ahead and, you know, had a different Ghostface killer, you know, as a copycat killer, like, you know, chasing after different groups of friends. And it would have worked fine. Exactly. Well, I guess we'll find out what the hell she's talking about uh, January 14th, 2022, because that's when this film comes out. So, okay, <laughs> oh, over a year away. Well, speaking of Netflix, we got Kevin Smith's upcoming Masters of the Universe series. Yes, and we actually got some news, too. Uh, they're going to be dropping the first five episodes of Masters of the Universe Revelation on Friday, July 23rd. But anyway, we got uh, 10 stills uh, from Entertainment Weekly featuring different characters from the series. Uh, the animation's done by Powerhouse Studios, who did uh, Netflix Castlevania series, uh, okay. So, which I think is still ongoing, right, Christian? Yeah, uh, their last season is coming out right now, I think. Well, I mean, I'm really impressed with the way the show looks. Um, the, the Masters of the Universe show. Mm-hmm. It's got that kind of like, you know, anime style-esque look to it, if you will. Um, I don't know if you would call it like pure anime, though. Christian, you would know better than me. People won't call it pure anime. That's just okay. a, that's just a thing. Okay. But, um, you know, Netflix had a lot of flack for like its earlier animations and stuff like that. And I think we've seen a, a huge rise in how, you know, they handle their shows nowadays. Um, and this definitely looks like it's getting that same polish as we got with Castlevania. I was going to say, because I, I felt like the response to the Castlevania show was pretty positive. Now, I yes, haven't yes. watched a single episode, but <laughs> <laughs> it looks great. And I can say the same from, you know, what we're seeing from uh, Masters of the Universe so far. We got a really nice look at He-Man, Skeletor, uh, the Sorcerer, uh, Beastman. It looks like Orko, Tila, Roboto, Evil Lynn, um, which they're all standing together. It looks like they're working together, which is weird. Um, Mossman's even here, Prince Adam. So I'm pretty fucking badass looking. I, I was impressed. Uh, but anyway, we posted the pictures over on our Instagram account and our Facebook account. That's at, at Amazing Nerd Show. So go ahead and check those out. Um, Kevin Smith recently was quoted on the series. This is a continuation of that original story. We're playing with the original mythology and the characters and revisiting and digging deeper into some of their unresolved storylines. Uh, visually, we also made a conscious decision to lean into the Masters of the Universe line of toys for inspirations as well. Um, well, it definitely shows here. Um, I don't know what unresolved storylines he's talking about, <laughs> honestly, but it is what it is. Uh, while I did love, like, you know, the original series and the toy line when I was like a young child, um, revisiting it, it definitely doesn't like age well. So <laughs> I, I probably would have been okay with them, like, just staying true to the spirit of the original series, mm-hmm. but like, you know, telling maybe a little more mature story. It does sound like they're going that route. Like I wouldn't worry too much about betraying any like continuity or anything. Like yeah. I recently watched the Christmas <laughs> special and yeah, that's definitely forgettable. It's hilarious, but definitely forgettable storyline wise. I mean, I think this is the time if you want to start like a whole new story for Masters of the Universe. I don't think anyone's going to be bothered. Yeah, as long as you take the source material seriously and, you know, you stay true to like the original like character design. Like I'm still collecting the toys. If you follow us on Instagram, you probably see it weekly. Um, You know, they Mattel's doing a Masters of the Universe origin series where they're like paying homage to like the original toy line. Um, And they look just fantastic. 
Also, this series has like a star-studded like cast. Uh, Mark Hamill is going to be playing Skeletor. Lena Headey is going to be Evil Lynn. Chris Wood will be playing Prince Adam slash He-Man. Uh, Buffy herself, Sarah Michelle Gellar is going to be playing Tila. Uh, Liam Cunningham will be Man at Arms. Steven Root will be Cringer. Uh, Henry Rollins will be Triclops. Alicia Silverstone will be Queen Marlena. And Jason Muse will be Stakor. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that feels like extremely fitting. Uh, but yeah, no. So I'm excited for this. Uh, July 23rd can't get here soon enough. Man, and so that really does it for news. It was a really slow week. That's right, but we did get a couple trailers this week. How could I possibly forget? First up, we're talking Venom. Let there be carnage. I've been thinking about you, hey? Because you and I are the same. Every decision we ever make. You know, Christian, with like Sony and the MCU, like deepening their partnership, Mm -hmm. I kind of started to have hope for this film, even though I wasn't a big fan of the first one. I was kind of hoping that they would, you know, kind of just start fresh. And I know this is based on nothing, just my own (laughs) fantasies. But I was hoping that they would just like kind of like wipe the slates clean and, you know, just start anew and give like Venom his proper origin story. Um, You know, how much that would actually involve Peter Parker. I mean, if you want to do it right, it has to involve Peter Parker in some shape or, you know, form. But that's not the case here, Christian. Nope. <laughs> so this trailer was literally everything I feared and then some, which boils down to more of the same BS that we got with the first one. I mean, we open up with that whole wacky odd couple routine that they were doing, you know, in the first movie. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> like, listen, I know that movie made a lot of money. So I'm sure the studio's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But God, just for me, like like who was a fan of Venom's like original origin story in the comics, this just does absolutely nothing for me. Like they took this like dark story about like jealousy and revenge and like, you know, giving into like your darker nature and turned it into a fucking like wacky buddy cop film. I don't know, man, because this this looks like the kind of stuff that would maybe like entertain my grandparents rather than like a modern audience. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it why it feels they go this like way. what you like expected to get from like a superhero film made in like the 90s. Yes. You know, like they don't give a shit about the source material. They're just going for cheap laughs, you know, and, you know, really just exploiting the whole like superhero gimmick. Um but yeah, I mean, at least they took that fucking stupid wig off Woody Harrelson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like Woody makes a good carnage. I mean, Cletus is really just like, you know, Mickey from Natural Born Killers with superpowers. Exactly. So, I mean, but I doubt like the film will let them go there. Um, we did see, I believe, Shriek in the um, the jail scene briefly who's kind of like, you know, Carnage's Mallory, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's definitely her own thing. Um, She's batshit crazy. Uh, We also see a detective who I guess is named Mulligan, which means I'm 
guessing it's gonna be uh the character toxin who's carnage's like offspring oh okay mm -hmm. i don't know man like once again like we've got too many symbioids like you know like in the first film yeah. like <laughs> that was a problem like if you have that many like symbioids running around it's just like it makes venom feel less special right i mean i don't know maybe it's just me I did like the concept of Cletus like becoming Carnage during his execution. I thought that was, you know, pretty cool. I'll give him that. They did have like a few little nice nods to Spider-Man um, throughout the trailer. Uh, there's one scene where he like kills the spider. Uh, there's also a scene where he's obviously holding up a daily bugle. So, but then Andy Serkis came out in an interview like right away after the trailer dropped and said, you know, these characters don't know Spider-Man exists whatsoever. So basically, like, squashing any hope that I had <laughs> yeah. for Spider-Man somehow being involved in this story. So, uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And I shouldn't be surprised, really. I don't know why I got my hopes up so high. Um, I was not impressed at all with the look of Carnage. Like, it was really? just way too busy, way too CGI and unfinished looking. I felt like it looked a little bit better than what we got in the first film. I thought all the CGI looked a little bit more polished than the first go around because I thought, oh, maybe they just got more budget for it. I, I, I think that's my only real compliment it was like I thought they look a little bit better than the first go around. I, I think I need to see like Carnage in his resting form first. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to see what, like, Woody Harrelson looks like in that suit. I want to be able to tell that Woody Harrelson is wearing that suit. And I don't know if I'm going to get that. Because Carnage should look different than Venom. Like, yes. body type-wise and everything. So, where what we saw just looked like a red version of, you know, Venom. No, you're with, not wrong. <laughs> with, with more tendrils coming out of him. Mm -hmm. So, and they already, like, took the whole gimmick of Carnage, like, being able to, like, make weapons you know, out of his like, you know, body um, in the first film. So that's not that's even true. like, mm -hmm. you know, special and unique to him. Cause that was a big deal in the comic books that he was able to like form like daggers and axes and shit. Um, so that was one of the coolest parts of Carnage. That and that he's a complete psychopath, you know, who has no regard for human life. So, I mean, he's just basically out for Carnage. Go figure, right? Um, so, but I felt like the CGI, like I felt like I could see like the outline of the effect. And maybe it was just the hmm. way they lit it. Or maybe it's on a bad green screen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not done. You know, it's they're just pumping out the trailer real fast. So I don't know. But I, what else am I missing here, Christian? Help me out because I'm just depressed. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I just I don't know who this is for. I Everyone, I guess, who enjoyed the first one. Right. I mean, the first one, the fact that they started this trailer with like 30 seconds of this comedy gimmick just ruined everything for me. I was like, oh, because I was in the same barge as you. I was like, oh, I mean, it's getting a new director. Maybe they're going in a slightly different direction. They'll give him a, you know, that that dark superhero type storyline. Yes. But no, it's, you know, it's Venom saying, oh, can I eat the cashier? Yeah. You know, it's just like running jokes just going on and on and on well and we talked about it with the first film they totally skipped like his like villainous origins yeah. and like jumped right to like venom the lethal protector um and i don't know it really does nothing for the character and they kind of they gutted the character of everything that makes him you know interesting at least to me like i liked mm -hmm. his whole redemption arc that he went on 
Well, yeah, because this character at this point is, you know, this evil alien goop from another planet that was treated like a loser there, meeting up with Earth's newest loser and becoming, you know, losers together in, in <laughs> you know, arms and they're becoming heroes because of it. It's, it doesn't. It just sounds like something straight out of the 80s and 90s. That's I totally forgot that like he was like a uh, right was he like a runaway or something like that? Yeah. That was a complete joke on his planet. Exactly. Yeah. He's like the truth is, is I'm a loser too and it's like that's not relatable. No. That's not I'm not going to co- connect th- like this at all. It's I don't know. I don't know. It's frustrating. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. <laughs> um I mean, I'm hoping we're wrong and this film turns out to be fucking awesome. Mm. Um, We'll still see it to review it for the show. Yes. (laughs) But honestly, if there was no Amazing Nerd Show, I would not be paying for a ticket for this. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's possible it could have a redemption. Um, You know, we've been proven wrong in the past before. I'm I'm hoping to be proven wrong. I really am. Yes. I want to like the movies that I go see. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy concepts, right? All right, Christian. So we also got a trailer for A24's The Green Knight. Oh, greatest of kings. Let one of your knights try to land a blow against me. Indulge me in this game. I will be deep. So I thought this film looked breathtaking. This was supposed to come out last year, uh, but obviously with the pandemic got delayed. Mm-hmm. It's now coming out July 30th. Um, this is directed by David Lorry. Uh, he did the film A Ghost Story, I believe. Uh, the cinematography alone on this film, like in this yes. trailer, looks like it's like worth the price of admission. <laughs> um, so I guess we're starting off with uh, King Arthur's nephew. He's like accepting a challenge from the Green Knight or stepping up to a challenge from the Green Knight, who's this weird looking giant creature uh, with a fucking axe. Uh, he cuts off his head and then the Green Knight laughs and says, I'll be back in a year. Uh, so I'm guessing that spells impending doom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh this had a real like dreamlike feel to it though um just by the way that the you know trailer was cut and you know the music and i mean there's fucking giants roaming around just a real like horror fantasy type vibe yes like i feel like that dream vibe is going to turn into nightmares while we're watching it you know yeah no no it, i mean we didn't really see anything like you know super like horror related except for the look of the green giant but Mm -hmm. it definitely has like this overwhelming feel of dread to it yeah it's just it's just pure dark fantasy style i love the cinematography throughout this trailer yeah i mean besides that story-wise we don't really know much Mm -hmm. um i'm guessing it's just him like having to like deal with the anxiety of having to wait you know a full year to Mm -hmm. face off against the green giant again and what that the preparation of the unknown you know Exactly. So over the past couple of years, like A24 has put out some of my favorite films. So on that pedigree alone, you know, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, for me, I think, you know, 
from most A24 films I've seen, this feels like a larger scale than what we usually get. Like usually you know, I'm used to like the lighthouse where they're like in one location mm -hmm. for like the entire film. This looks big. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, they definitely put some money into this. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, based on this trailer alone, like this is definitely moved up my list of like most anticipated films of the year. Um, no, absolutely. So, but yeah, this comes out once again, July 30th. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Give me some Dark Souls battle axe action. So, Christian, you watched a brand new Netflix series this week. That's right, Damon. I checked out Jupiter's Legacy. Warning, spoiler alert. Spoilers for Jupiter's Legacy ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. Don't you remember the island? And what we had to do to earn these powers. 90 years. 90 years, and what do we have to show for it? We've made a difference, Shell. The first generation of superheroes has kept the world safe for nearly a century. Now their children must live up to their legacy in an epic drama that spans decades and navigates the dynamics of family, power, and loyalty. Based on the Image comic book by Mark Miller, created by Stephen S. D. Knight, and starring Josh Dummel. So this year has already been like chock full of great hero shows like, you know, Invincible and WandaVision that take kind of a less conventional like approach to the hero genre. Jupiter's legacy already has, you know, a lot to contend with, and I had some kind of high expectations for a show with this kind of style that mimics others like The Boys. And while Jupiter's legacy may not be a bad show, it does not do enough to stand out in this already crowded genre. In the show, we are introduced to the Samson family, uh, which consists of like four heroes, well, three heroes, and one who quits. Um, Utopian, the head of the family and kind of the Superman figure of this world, has a simple code about not killing at all costs, and he bears his ideals down hard on his family. While his son tries to, you know, kind of follow in his footsteps, his daughter chooses not to at all. Um, the show takes a deep dive into the kind of like psyche of Utopian as he, you know, follows this code without exception, with even like his fellow heroes dying at the hands of criminals because he won't allow any hero to kill, even for the greater good, which, you know, kind of causes society as a whole to begin to turn on him and his way of thinking. The other half of the show kind of deals with Utopian and the rest of the members of the Union getting their superpowers to begin with in their like origin story which all kind of takes place during the start of the Great Depression. In this story, we see Samson giving it all up and following what seems like a fever dream induced vision and attempting to have his friends follow him to a mysterious island. Both halves of the show have some pretty compelling and interesting moments as they were both well written and follow that classic Netflix style that keeps you binging a show for hours. Where the show kind of struggles for me is its performances. Uh, the younger casts during the present day timeline are all kind of forgettable and are often wooden in their delivery. I found myself, you know, so much more interested throughout the show in the origin story because their kids in the present timeline are all just kind of boring. You know, for me, it's like one of those rare times where it's not just like, I'm not going to just blame the writing because, you know, the other half of the cast, you know, that, you know, it's dancing back and forth between the present and the past really shows off these great characters and really give off really good performances. 
The show's effects are also a little rough here and there. At times it felt like discount versions of the Arrow slash Flash verse, whatever they call it nowadays, on the CW. Um, the show also really went for that kind of like Snyder slow-mo in all their fights, which I'm not a big fan of. But at the end of the day, the story still did enough to hook my interest each episode. And by the end, gave me a twist that made me say, sure, I would watch a second season of that. All right, Christian, what grade would you give the first season of Jupiter's Legacy? So for my grade, I'm going to give this a C+. There are good things about this show, but I, you know, I've seen other shows that do all of this a lot better. However, I think that there is a ton of potential for growth. As the story is there, I just think maybe the cast either needs some better direction or maybe some replacements. Well, all right, Damon, it's time for some Bad Batch talk. That's right. We just watched the second episode, Cut and Run. Warning, spoiler alert. Spoilers for Star Wars The Bad Batch ahead. You have been warned. He must mean the inhibitor chip. The what? Inhibitor chips. The Kaminoans implanted them in the clones to modify their behavior. Tech. You said the regs were programmed, but you never mentioned the chip. How else did you think it worked? So overall, I did like the episode. I mean, after a galaxy-spanning, epic 70-minute premiere that, like, really set up the premise for the entire series, this episode obviously felt much more slower-paced and, you know, a self-contained story that was more about, like, establishing the relationship between Omega and Hunter and their, like, father and daughter-like, you know, dynamic. And that's totally fine, but I don't know, I felt like it was more of a mid-season episode. And what I mean by that is I just, I felt personally like they needed more time to like let the relationship between the two, you know, grow and get more adventures under their belts. Um, you know, for it to really like resonate more for the characters. Because it just, I don't know, it just felt a little rushed. Like they just met. And don't get me wrong, it's not like Omega's like calling Hunter her father yet or anything. But it just felt like the moments in this episode hadn't been earned yet story-wise, if that makes any sense. It was nice to catch up with Cut. Um, I was surprised that he wasn't affected by Order 66, but I guess if you never get the command, like you can't be triggered, right? Um, I also like that we got a glimpse of what the transition looks like for some planets once the Empire like takes over. Um, the whole setting up of the chain codes, which I believe was added in Mandalorian, right? Was a real nice touch. Um, it gives you a sense of how quickly like the Empire like laid the infrastructure to like take total control of the galaxy but at the same time they did like establish that they can be hacked which gives them some outs story-wise past and present yeah i gotta say there's this like this feeling of like they expect us to have you know all these memories with the team already which i we don't have you know we've only experienced a few episodes with these guys beforehand and i just felt like this episode was like okay you guys get it let's just move on and move forward you know this definitely felt like something that should have been maybe an episode or two episodes down the road you know we just get these like moments where it's like you know there's those knowing glances from cut and his wife you know uh you know noticing that hunter is a parent and stuff like that um and it, it just didn't it didn't work just yet because we haven't seen them interact as much you know mm -hmm. as you know this this duo that they're planning on having. Well, and exactly. And like you said, we haven't really got to know the Bad Batch that well. Exactly. You know, so we're still getting to know those characters. So I, I, I agree. 
But as you said, it's it's pretty cool to get these world-building moments. You know, that's what, you know, Filoni is known for over all the Clone Wars is, you know, adding those little extra elements to teach us a little bit more about Star Wars and how the world works. But it's just like when it comes down to the main characters, we need a little bit more time with them in general. No, I agree. And what's nice about this series is it's 16 episodes long. Yes. So we're going to get plenty of time with these characters to get to know them. And I just question more of the placement of this episode, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this season more than anything, because the story itself was fine. No, I agree. It's it's a go. It's an OK story. And it, it seems like anything I would have gotten out of a normal Clone Wars episode. It's just too soon. A little too soon. Mm-hmm. I did like how they like played up how Omega you know, is really a fish out of water here. Mm-hmm. Um, like how she spent her entire life on Camino. Um, and now like even like dirt excites her. <laughs> so um, it'll be fun to kind of, you know, see like the galaxy through her eyes and everything, um, you know, but like, I, I don't want them to harp on it too much too. Cause I feel like that will get old fast. Uh, but yeah, no one ever played catch with her on Camino, Not once. <laughs> this is a military operation and you think that they're gonna have time to play fucking catch with omega she didn't even know what fucking catch was <laughs> <laughs> one guy not one person was just like hey i got some downtime you know i'm in the wreck you want to play some catch that'd be it should exactly. be like what the fuck is catch asshole <laughs> and then he would have taught Get her to about work. catch and it would have been a moment <laughs> fight for the fucking republic <laughs> to what you're designed for. They have personalities. Uh, We've seen in Club Wars. She doesn't know what catch is, though. So why would she <laughs> want to play it? I'm just saying. Anyway, Christian. <laughs> um, um, I do think it's interesting. Like, you know, a lot of the clones, you know, get aged up as they go, like, to be faster. You know, does she have that as well? Will she, you know, eventually just start aging real fast in this series? Or is this just her? Or was one you of know, the scientists she... maybe, like you know, seeing her as her daughter, maybe. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, and she's got that whole, like, you know, Boba Fett thing going on for her. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I don't want is all the fucking rumors out there right now uh, speculating that she might be a clone of the Emperor. I swear <laughs> to fucking God, man. Like, if they, like, I don't know, revisit all that clone shit that they did in, like, Rise of Skywalker. And I know it's part of, like, you know, the Star Wars legacy uh-huh. and everything with, you know, all the clones of the Emperor. But... I, I don't know. I've got a bad taste in my mouth. So if that's <laughs> that revealed, could... <laughs> it's it's going to be a hard pass for me. You know, that could be Ray's grandmother. Oh, God, Christian. <laughs> Dear Lord, no. But that would be incest because it was a clone of her father was the clone of the emperor. So the clone of the the father can't be married to the <laughs> other like Omega, who's also a clone. That's some fucking bizarre bullshit. No, I don't no, know, we man. don't want that. We've got enough incest, you know, in our Star Wars with like Luke kissing Leia in uh-huh. Empire. We don't need more of it, like you know, in future chapters of the franchise. I hear you. I'm just saying they like to fill in the gaps in general of what's going on. And if this is a clone of the Emperor, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I'll leave it at that. I don't think it's going to be an incest situation. Okay. I'm gonna, I was going to say, like, she doesn't need to be fucking Ray's grandmother. No. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, maybe they'll win me over, you know, if that ends up being, you know, a plot in this, like, you know, story. But I hope not. Jesus, I hope not. You're not going to pop if she, like, starts using Sith lightning out of nowhere at the end? She could be maybe a clone of another Jedi. Hmm. But I and I do feel like they left that open-ended 
last episode, you know, mentioning that she was a clone, but they didn't say a clone of who, um, you know, and I feel like it's going to be something where like tech just randomly mentions like, oh, I didn't say she was a clone of like Django. Yeah, you know, like uh-huh. I feel like it's going to be that situation because <laughs> he did say that he examined her DNA. Mm, that, OK, yeah. So, I mean, he has some idea whether or not she's, you know, if she's related to them. Well, now you got me thinking of like Starkiller or maybe even like what if, um, you know, she's a clone of Anakin. Like, oh, and that's God. just one of the, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the type of shit Palpatine would do. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Just in case things go wrong, mm-hmm. like they almost did on Mustafar. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be the smart move. But we know that's just going to end horribly for everyone. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll just wait and see. I'm I'm still rooting for her just being like, you know, the best aspects of, you know, each member of the Bad Batch. That makes the most sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And you would think like Kathleen Kennedy and company would have learned from all the, you know, drama and mistakes that they made with, you know, Ray and like the whole like, you know, who's the. Who's the baby's daddy drama, you know, that they created on their own? <laughs> uh-huh. You know, enough Maury shit in Star Wars, right? That's right, damn it. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, you know, the defective clones still have an inhibitor chip in them. They just don't, you know, it doesn't activate as much with them like that. They've explained that. I wonder if she has one as well. And to what degree is she resistant to it? I'm guessing if they made her on the side, you know, underneath, mm. you know, uh, Palpatine's nose that she doesn't have that chip. Ah, well, okay. So that's if she's, you know, was made underneath Palpatine's nose, unless, Mm -hmm. you know, she was like a special project of his. I even saw people speculating that she was uh, Tarkin's clone. Oh, (laughs) I feel like if it was Tarkin's clone, Tarkin would immediately have like gone straight to her and been like, all right, we're taking you out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he hates clones. So like, why would he Mm -hmm. make a clone of himself? You know, that just doesn't make any sense. But that's the fucking internet, right? Uh-huh. So she's gonna she's gonna be everyone's clone by the time uh-huh. the series ends. So. <laughs> Speculation nation, you uh-huh. know? right? But anyway, I refuse to do this again with you know Star Wars. I'm not dealing with all the speculation. <laughs> I know that's what they want me to do, but it is what it is. I'm just gonna wait until they can tell, give me like a concrete answer. Uh, so. But uh, we got, what, like 14 more episodes to go here. Exactly. And I don't know if this is just like a one season one off or if this is going to be multiple seasons. Mm -hmm. I don't don't know if that's been announced yet. Well, I'm definitely curious to see where this story is taking us. Um, I guess we'll be back next week to talk more Bad Batch. Yep. And speculate some more. Fuck you. Well, all right, Damon, you watched a film this week. That's right. I watched a movie that just debuted over on Shudder called Fried Berry. Warning, spoiler alert. Spoilers for Fried Berry ahead. You have been warned. What do I like about you, Barry? You don't say much. But you're a good listener. You're absolutely fucking right. You're not the father. You're a useless piece of shit. So what are you doing here, man? How did they catch you? Yeah! You did something bad, eh? Aliens take over the body of a drug addict and take it for a joyride through Cape Town. Uh, This was written and directed by Ryan Kruger and starring Gary Green. 
So this past weekend, I was looking for something to watch over on Shudder, and I came across Friedberry, which just debuted on the streaming service. Now, over the past year or so, I heard the buzz about the film coming from, like, the festival circuit, but I had no idea whatsoever what to expect. And holy shit, I was not prepared for this bizarre hypnotic fever dream that was more of an experience than a film. Uh, the director, Ryan Kruger, took conventional filmmaking and kicked it square in the balls, and I found it absolutely exhilarating. Barry is a drug addict who values finding his next fix over his own family. While in the middle of getting high, Barry's abducted and possessed by aliens. Because, you know, that happens. Uh, what ensues next is an alien using Barry as a vehicle for a two-day odyssey down a rabbit hole of debauchery in a place called Cape Town. This film feels like trauma meets under the skin with a little like E.T. thrown in for good measure. There's very little dialogue and an incredibly simple story going on here, yet at the same time, like Fried Barry feels indescribable. We follow Barry from one batshit crazy scenario to the next. I mean, prostitutes, pimps, psychopaths, junkies. Cape Town feels like a living, breathing cesspool. Director Ryan Kruger assaults your senses, making you feel like you need to take a shower after many of Barry's adventures. But this isn't your typical, like, grindhouse fare. Kruger's able to set this film apart from the pack with mesmerizing visuals, making you feel like you're experiencing this story firsthand through Barry's unblinking eyes, played by Gary Green in a manic performance. You slowly sink into this drug-induced insanity as the film's score pulsates and pushes you deeper, drowning you in the chaos, and you don't come up for air till the end. I love that Kruger's sense of style shines through the grime of this film, and what I mean by that, it doesn't really like allow you to take your eyes off the screen, like even during like the harder to watch scenes. The film also has a great sense of humor that comes out of nowhere at times. It's that kind of offbeat humor that makes it feel unpredictable and just, I don't know, works on a different level. Could the film use a little bit more story? Maybe, but the fact that Fried Berry feels like one of the more memorable films I've seen in a while should be applauded in some Celebrated. Like, I guarantee you that I'll forget more than half the films I see this year, but not Fried Berry. It's an over-the-top ridiculous film that will make a dent in your psyche whether you like it or not. And not many films can say that. Well, all right, Damon, what grade would you give this film? So I'm going to give Fried Berry a B+. This movie is not for everyone, but that's okay. But if you're a fan of genre films and are in the mood for something different, this is an absolute must-watch. Check out Fried Berry playing over on Shudder now. Well, now it's time for Christian's Corner. <laughs> this week on our Twitch channel, I played and finished Resident Evil Village. The game's most recent protagonist, Ethan Winters, is again thrown into the thick of it as Chris Redfield shows up at his house and straight up murders his wife, Mia, and takes both Ethan and his child into custody. However, the ride to wherever like safe zone that they were trying to get to is kind of interrupted by a mysterious force. And boom, Ethan finds himself smack dab in the middle of a monster infested village and quickly goes on the hunt for his daughter. Enter our bad guys, the four lords of the village, Vampire Lady Demetresque, Donna the Dollmaker, 
Fishman Moreau and X-Men villain Heisenberg and their crazy mama, Mother Miranda, who supposedly has plans for Ethan's daughter, Rose. Each lord has their own section of the game and while you can't do them out of order, each comes with unique challenges and some are definitely more frightening than others. And of course, it all culminates in a big battle with Mother Miranda. Overall, the story is fun and actually had me really get into Ethan as a character as he now dealt with this like hellhole of a village as a man who's already seen some shit. While the connections to the franchise could have been, you know, peppered in a little more, um, I still felt that the story did an adequate job of explaining where this entry fits into the grand scheme of the Resident Evil franchise. What disappointed me about the game was the like level of ease and horror I felt throughout. Only one lord actually really scared me, while the others were just kind of fun characters to fight. I also found myself wishing the game was a little harder, however I did play on normal for my first run. Each encounter in this game felt like it could have been you know, just a, a tad bit longer with a little bit more challenges. But that's still not to say that I didn't have fun in all my interactions with the main bosses of the game. And a lot of my complaints I've noticed while playing the game kind of were similar to Resident Evil 7 as you know that game also felt a little bit shorter than it should have been. However, 7 had this very excellent amount of horror in it where 8 takes a more action-packed approach. My final thoughts in the end are that you'll have a fun time with this game but I don't imagine it having you know the kind of lifespan that you know, Resident Evil 7 head or other horror games that are out right now. And with that, I'm going to say my final grade for this is going to be a B-. But if you missed my playthrough, you can catch the replay right now on our Twitch channel. Otherwise, you can check out what else I'm playing, which like this weekend I started the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which will be a long, long voyage. So you'll be able to check that out each weekend. We also continued on with the Witcher 3 expansions. Um, so make sure that you're following us on Twitch and subscribe for free with your Amazon Prime account. Now, on to wrestling. I'm just the messenger. Okay, I don't I'm think you're gonna stand over top of okay, us, no, uh, Okay, I'll stand below you. Good God. I, um, I have been told that uh, May 30th, that uh, double or nothing, there will be a world no. title match. And it will be double for you because it will be three men in the ring and you will have to face both men in a three-way match at double or nothing what on May 30th. you the right to say that? I was told that... Alright Christian, this past Wednesday, AEW followed up Blood and Guts with a pretty stacked Dynamite. Uh, we started off the night with the IWGP United States Championship match between John Moxley and Nagata. Yes, what an epic way to start the show. Um, very respectful match between the two of them. I mean, they were hard hitting. They went at it. Um, Nagata still fucking got it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't believe it's been like what? Like they said, like 23 years since he's been on American TV. Yeah, that was crazy since he's been on TNT. Yeah, because I remember him facing off against uh, Ultimate Dragon back in like you know, the Nitro days. So managed by Sonny Ono. So I was like, holy shit, that was 20 some years ago. Mm -hmm. Made me feel old. Um, <laughs> but a hard hitting match. Uh, Moxley came out to Wild Things, which was a real nice touch, um, except when they got to the flute solo. That was kind of awkward. Uh, <laughs> you can tell that they were trying to cut it too, like right there. It's like, yeah, they eh, need, we don't know how we they feel need about to this. do a slow fade or something there. But it is uh -huh. what it is. Um, I'm sure the crowd's going to be singing along in a matter of time, you know, with that song. So I love that Tony Khan is willing to, like, you know, 
dig into his pockets, you know, and, you know, spend some money on these, you know, intro songs because they they fucking matter, man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Enough of this generic library music bullshit. Yes. I mean, it's it's bringing me back to my uh, early WWE games days where I'd be putting like random songs with different wrestlers and stuff like that. Yeah, no, right. It, you know, all the music nowadays reminds me of like the video games where you'd like, you know, have the generic, you know, music oh, for yeah. like the build a character. <laughs> uh-huh. So I don't know, man, but I'm glad that now we're finally getting, you know, some like decent music now for entrances. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. this was a great match. Hard hitting. You could tell this was a match that Moxley really wanted. Uh, Storyline-wise, he called them out like during the New Japan show. Um, it was kind of mm-hmm. random because it was like, why Nagata? But, I mean, this makes all the sense to the world just because, you know, the, the level of respect that Moxley has for him as a worker. So, and he showed it at the end of this match. You know, he put him away with the paradigm shift or the death rider, as they call it in Japan. Uh, but then he, you know, did the customary bow at the end and they hugged and everything. I was expecting them to get jumped right then and there by the yes. super elite, but that didn't happen. I'm sure new Japan was like, no, we don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, no great match. So up next, we had an AEW world tag team championship match between SCU versus the young bucks. And if SCU loses, they have to split up forever. That's right. And they will be, but I mean, this match kind of like gave blood and guts a run for its money blood wise i mean jesus yes, christ i'm pretty sure christopher daniels spilled half of his fucking blood during this match <laughs> pretty sure he died <laughs> <laughs> like he's probably still bleeding somewhere right now uh-huh. um it was pretty gnarly i dug it though it added a lot to the storyline i don't think he meant to fucking gig himself that deep i can't imagine like being able to pull that off because he was literally dripping with blood like when he hit the you know the post and I mean, must have mm. done the, you know, the honors like there was a spray of fucking blood on the mat. Like it was pretty fucking gross. <laughs> I loved it, though. Um, You know, and it seemed like they're <laughs> giving him time on the outside of the ring, because at one point it looked like Nick went out there, you know, to like almost check on him or like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. work another sequence with him. And then like he stopped. He's like, no, you're injured. And then like walked back. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, maybe the doctor's like trying to like stitch him up quickly, you know, or whatever. But no, he came back in the ring. He looked a little cleaner, but then he was spraying blood again. Like he was, I mean, it was all over the place too. It was on fucking Matt and Nick. I mean, I don't know. I I loved it though. (laughs) Oh, the pool at the end though. That was the money shot. It was crazy. I mean, and Matt like had it all over his face, all over his Mm -hmm. chest. Holy shit, man. But um, Frankie Kazarian, man, he's going to be great in singles competition. Like just seeing him work in this match, it's just... He is so talented. Oh, yeah, no, Frankie's fucking awesome. I mean, I exactly. mean he was fantastic over an impact. Uh, oh, no, man. I mean, Frankie's awesome. I mean, he's been in a tag team so long. I think people forget what a great single competitor he mm-hmm. is. I mean, he had a great match against Christian a couple weeks back. Um, you know, he was fantastic on TNA back in the day. Uh, so, I, yeah, no. I mean, he's he's going to have a great run, I think. So, and I think he's going to work nicely with, like, the younger talent and everything, you know, and really, you know. But I did think this was, like, the perfect, like, you know, match for SEU to go out on. Um, you know, it, like I said, the, both teams have such great chemistry together. Um, you know, there was actually at points, like, I, where I believed that SEU was going to actually pull this off. So, and, like, coming into this match, I thought there was no way in hell you know, SCU is uh-huh. walking away with the fucking titles. Um, I love that they did the whole fucking um, 
the whole like Shawn Michaels Ric Flair retired match like uh-huh. parody. <laughs> that was a real nice touch. Um, and I think Matt even said he was going to do that, you know, before the match. So he kind of called the shot. Um, Nick is great as a heel, though, like a real uh-huh. heel. Um, you know, because we, you know, for years in New Japan at the end, they were kind of tweeners regardless. You know, they're cocky, they're loud mouths, but, you know, they would still play to the fucking crowd. But now, like, you know, there's just this vicious streak in them and you really see it in Nick. Um, so I'm really enjoying them as a heel, even though I didn't like the journey to get them to like, you know, yes. being heels. Like, I'm mm-hmm. loving them now as heels. No, I absolutely agree. I Everything from the entrance to how they're acting in the ring, you know, <laughs> the blood stain on his yes, shoe yes. Um, and getting pissed off about it. I thought that was uh-huh. great. It was tons of great moments. because Those of have it. to be fakes, by the way. There's no way. Oh, There's yeah. no way. <laughs> they're out there wrestling in $1,000 shoes. Uh, uh, or 5000 as they yes, corrected whatever. themselves later. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Uh, but no, great match. I, I do wish they would have given Daniels and Kasarian, like, I do wish they would have given Daniels and Frankie, like, a bigger moment to the end, you know, because they kind of cut away really fast. Mm-hmm. I was like, they deserved a bigger moment there. I'm sure they probably recorded because they, I think they went to commercial soon after. So I'm sure they probably recorded something and I'm, I'm sure they'll put it on the YouTube channel, but mm-hmm. give them at least two minutes to, like, say goodbye at the end there. Yeah, exactly. Because then we got immediately um, like it was very awkward because they weren't set up properly, I think, in the back just yet for it. But you had Moxley and Kingston um, running in and destroying the Young Bucks's uh, locker room area. And it was just like this very long, like, what's going on in the back? You know, for a moment there while Frankie's trying to have this sad moment in the ring. Do you think maybe they were worried about like Daniels losing so much blood? Maybe, Maybe they're like, we need to get him medical <laughs> attention now. Like, <laughs> fuck the angle. Let's go. <laughs> it was a crazy amount of blood. I'm like, I'm surprised he was able to go well, as long as he did. Even at that point. At, with that last move, like at the end, you see his head and like there's a whole like puddle of blood underneath it. Mm-hmm. And he just touched that mat. So it was pretty disgusting. Um, but like I said, I loved every second. Um and the fact they even worked it, like, when he kind of botched the moonsault, and then he was able to, like, mm-hmm. play it off, you know, like, he was, like, you know, it was because of blood loss, that was a real nice touch. But like you said, you know, they cut to the back quickly, um, you know, we see Moxley and Kingston destroying the Elite's locker room, and then later on in the show, we see the Young Bucks and, you know, the Good Brothers standing there, and they tease a challenge to Moxley and uh, Kingston. I really thought for a moment, though, that the Bucks were going to, like, have, you know, put the Good Brothers in a match against Kingston and Moxley. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that would have been a move. I mean, maybe they have time. They have time during the, the show weeks, mm-hmm. I guess, to do that. Because I want. still feel like that's eventually going to be a match, like the Bucks versus the Good mm-hmm. Brothers. Um, like, you know, because they keep on, like, in interviews while the Good Brothers are standing there, they keep on talking about how they're the, the greatest tag team in the world. So I'm just mm, waiting for yeah. like animosity to start to like show up. So, but by God, they prayed in that room and they yes. destroyed it. <laughs> we prayed around this table. <laughs> awesome line. Um, so up next, though, we got the world title eliminator match. I hate that name. I just just call it a number one contenders match. Uh, uh-huh. 
but this was uh, between Orange Cassidy and Pac. Which, I mean, you can never go wrong with Orange Cassidy versus Pac. I mean, that was one of my first matches with AEW, and I still love them both to this day. I've seen a lot of people actually complaining lately that um, Orange Cassidy isn't doing enough of his gimmick, which I think is a little weird. Like, I, I, I think he does plenty enough of his, like, comedy thing throughout the yes. show. I don't, I don't I see... I think he has to be careful where you don't want to bury the person you're, you know, going against. Like, you can't have exactly selling the shin kick. You know, like, no one should yes. ever <laughs> sell the shin kick. Um, but he'll do it here and there. I think he, he smartly, like, interweaves it throughout the match. Mm. You know, but, like, now we know that he's a serious competitor, so... It's exactly. not as big of a surprise, you know, when he does work it. But the, it's here and there. Like, I'm fine with it. Like, I mean, he's transitioning to, like, a main event level competitor now. Exactly. So, this isn't his final Exactly. Form, you, you, know? you can't <laughs> harp too much on that gimmick, you know. there There's mm. a time and a place for it, like, maybe on Dark, but, like, in a big match like this, no. So, unfortunately, at some point during this match, Cassidy ends up getting knocked out. I'm guessing it was on the powerbomb because that was just vicious looking. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you could tell that Pac was trying to, like, give him time to recoup um, by having him in, like, a side headlock. But I think they realized that, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. So, instead, they called an audible. Uh, Pac was, you know... Facing the crowd, Kenny ran out with the belt while the ref was distracted, nailed Pack, and then they had both men not be able to answer the count of 10. So it was a draw. But I guess originally that's kind of where they're headed. Um, they were just supposed to wrestle like to a 20 minute draw, and then it would gotcha. end up still being, you know, a, a, a triple threat match at double or nothing. So. Yeah, because I didn't notice what was going on at that moment. And it seemed like, I mean, they called that audio audible fast enough, at least, where it made sense. You know, he came in and immediately attacked him. Um, you know, I, I, it, it still worked. We still got the same results. Yeah. Um, I think the match up to that point, though, was still very good. I mean, we got a lot of great moments. I love the moment where he actually rolls underneath him while he's on ah, the top rope. <laughs> I agree. Um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it did end that way where he gets knocked out. I hope it's you know nothing too serious. I hope it's not like a concussion or anything like that. Uh, I guarantee it's a concussion, but <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he's able to wrestle a double or nothing. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. But I mean, good on AEW for being able to like think on their feet and still protect the talent at the same time. So up next, we had Cody Rhodes' uh, Double or Nothing announcement. Uh, he made an impassioned speech, really channeling his father's spirit, not only, you know, with his promo, but also now in name. He's going to be going by the American Dream at Double or Nothing as he faces off against Anthony Agogo. Uh, we saw last week he draped the uh, the Union Jack across uh, Cody. Um, and Cody felt disrespected, not only for himself, but for his country, goddammit. So, uh, that's all the heat this match needed. But a great, a great promo by Cody, once again. You could always depend on Cody for an, an awesome promo. And he pulled it off here. Exactly. I mean, you could tell that he had the crowd on, like, you know, his fingertips the entire time. It was crazy. Just how, it's, it's like... I'm trying to imagine like just how like impactful like down the road when whenever he does eventually go back and go against his word of going for the world championship like 
how like big that storyline is because I mean he can make something with Anthony Agogo feel like a main event yeah. match. What can you know? What can he do in the future against like a, a character like Kenny Omega and stuff like that for the uh, world title? I'll be honest, I could give a shit about fucking Anthony Gogo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, and maybe he'll wow me at the pay per view. So, uh-huh. but this gut punch thing, this whole gimmick is not working for me at all. <laughs> so. So up next, after a brutal blood and guts match, we had the Pinnacle Coronation. You know, I was actually surprised that this wasn't at the end of the show, but then I realized, oh, we had the TNT Championship yes. match later. But, I mean, this was a great moment. Um, I I think uh, Blanchard went on a little bit yes. too long about, what, about the watches and everything. It was funny that the, I, it was clear that they were trying not to save uh-huh, Alex right? the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> he was struggling with that. But, I mean, it, it was fine. You know, it's cool seeing them work together. I think... Um, I did catch Jericho hiding on the truck uh, as it okay. came in. I could see his face in the background. I was like, oh, well, that, that I know he's going to be here. But you see, know, I didn't think he was going to be there. Just little things. And I didn't like the fact that he was there. Like, I still feel oh, like okay. they should have waited a week. You know, and I know like double or nothing is a little like it's just like three weeks away or two weeks away. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like after falling off a fucking cage, I feel like you need to at least sell it for a week. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, he did have a mm -hmm. giant cast on his arm, I guess. But I don't know. Um, Yeah, for the coordination itself, it was a little awkward, you know. And I think Uh I I know Tully can talk and everything. and You want to give him something to do. But at the same time, like you're still trying to like, you know, establish this group. So I wouldn't mind seeing like the other guys talk a little more. Like give Dax the mic. Let Sean Spears talk a little, Um, you know, but. I get it. Um, I would have liked, you know, MJF to get the crown like during the coronation. He because he walked True. out with the crown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought that was a little awkward. But I don't know. Overall, it was a fine, you know, moment. Kind of leaning on like some attitude, like nostalgia with the whole like, I guess it's supposed to be like a champagne truck. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. It was like a golf <laughs> cart with like a hose attached to it that was supposedly bubbly coming out <laughs> definitely not that impressive no. compared to the uh the beer truck of yeah past. you should have got it a van <laughs> at least right because that was literally like a golf truck with like you know an inner circle uh-huh. sticker on the hood so yes <laughs> but it is what it is um you know it, it was still a good moment it worked i'm looking forward to the stadium stampede match between both factions um they've got a lot to live up to though after the first one yes uh it's going to be interesting too to see how like a live crowd handles it because you know before there it was an empty arena so oh, like that point. means a live crowd is going to have to sit there and watch like a half hour you know video basically <laughs> so uh we'll see how they react to it but i mean it's a great card all around so they'll probably be fine waiting you know a half hour for this match do you think they go live and have it because i don't is the dailies attached to the actual stadium or no i don't believe so i think like it's at least like you know it's the building over i don't think they're actually attached i could okay. be wrong though because if they were if it was in proximity enough where they could do it where they start in the in the arena and then get over to the dailies place that would be a cool yeah. element but there's a lot of things you can't you you can't cut around and well do, you'd have to have like, an intermission almost before. you exactly. know <laughs> so and then so last time they did the stadium stampede it actually closed the show they had the championship match before oh, yeah. it and then they mm-hmm. closed with the stadium stampede so whatever follows the stadium stampede is really going to have to bring it 
Oh, and did we mention that the stipulation would be that the inner circle would have to break up if they lose yeah, this match? Yeah, which kind of tells me that they're not going to lose. Because I still feel like uh-huh. <laughs> we've got a few more chapters to the story. Does this feel too soon after uh, Blood and Guts? Would you like to see like some single matches or some tag matches? And then like, you know, maybe in a month or two, get the stadium stampede? Honestly, I wouldn't have mind if they had done something a little bit simpler, maybe like even um, like almost a Survivor Series style match first before we got to something so big as the stadium yeah. stampede. I think they should have I built up to it I would have just done a tag or something like just have, you know, mm. like, well, you know, Jericho still hurts. So we'll go ahead and have like, you know, proud and powerful, like, you know, face off against like FTR or something. You know, do something on a smaller scale and then you have mm-hmm. the big comeback of Jericho at like double or nothing. And then you build again to like the stadium stampede and you can put it on TV if you want. Maybe they just don't have a long sight for this. Um, see that from all the interviews, they're actually saying the exact opposite, that this is going to be like a fucking odyssey. Um, and that hmm. there's going to be a lot of different twists and turns to the, like this story. So are they going to create a new match? We'll see. <laughs> So up next, we had Tony Schiavone interviewing Jade Cargill. Um, She's, you know, dealing with a bunch of offers from, you know, different suitors, you know, trying to be her manager. Uh, We'll see where this goes. Uh, Then we had Thunder Rosa versus Jasmine Allure. Um, It was pretty much a squash match, but it was, you know, designed to remind everyone that, you know, Thunder Rosa is still in contention. Um, I think she's like number three or something or number two, maybe. Number so, two, yes. You know, once Britt uh, ends up winning that title against Sheeta, which is happening at <laughs> double or nothing, <laughs> that's my prediction at least. Thunder Rosa uh-huh. will probably get a title shot right away. I um, mean, that'll be a huge fucking return match between those two. Um, Britt exactly. also cut a promo at some point during the show. I don't remember exactly when, um, but it was a really good interview with JR, just kind of explaining how she's the face of the division, regardless whether or not she has the title. But, you know, she guaranteed that she's winning that belt at double or nothing so yes very very scarface approach with i'm the bad yeah, guy no. you know <laughs> no, i liked it um and all that led us to the main event we have the tnt championship on the line with darby allen versus miro now i really enjoyed what we got between darby allen versus miro the only thing i i had a problem with with this match was uh the random run-in with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky attacking um, Sting because it just it didn't do anything for the match in general. Yeah, like he because Sting's just back up after the commercial break's done. He's just there. I think it's just their way of like really just following up on the angle that they shot last week with them like attacking Darby. Um, it, you know, I I know what you mean. Like attacking Sting really didn't do anything, but it did distract Darby at least. Um, I don't. I didn't feel that though. I didn't see Darby really get distracted by the moment. It just seemed like okay, this happened, and Darby and Miro are still mm. fighting. It didn't really seem like it really affected anything that was actually going on in the ring in that moment. That's what. That's where I. I have a little bit more qualms with. That. I was like, what? What does this do to the actual? I match? think they're just heels <laughs> and they're trying to build heat and you know for a tag yeah. match at the pay per view. <laughs> so that's um, fine. Maybe just, if eh. Darby would have sold it by at least like glancing over and being distracted by it um i guess that would have made more sense i agree with you um but i'm guessing that's what that was about i at the the end of the match too right they had a moment yeah they attack again they out of nowhere well i'm fine like like, i think at the end of the match that makes sense that makes more sense Mm -hmm. but i could see what you mean like in the middle of the match 
and I get like they want to like you know remind the audience of the fact that you know last week happened and everything and could possibly be one of the reasons why Darby ends up losing this match you know getting thrown down a flight of concrete stairs but at the same time I feel like sometimes AEW tends to do like too like too many like bells and whistles in their matches um mm-hmm. you know when when it comes to especially like the main events and especially like lately with Darby because if you think about like that Matt Hardy match also had like a crazy amount of interference happening yeah mm-hmm. so uh yeah i could have done without the attack in the middle match of sting and then maybe just save it to the end of the match um kind of as a transition or a segue to like you know their feud um but you know overall i thought the match was great um you know yes. darby did a fucking phenomenal job of selling the entire time i love the fact that miro like tacked him before the bell and everything but at the same time like Darby didn't lose anything in this loss. You know, if anything, like it yes. just built up his character even more. So, um, and I think that's important. Like you can still get over in losing. So, and some people forget that sometimes. So, and this is how you do it. I mean, Darby's just so fucking quick too. Like his oh, offense yeah. is so it's... crisp. <laughs> that fucking dive he does outside of the ring where he literally mm-hmm. looks like a bullet, like hitting Miro. Um, like he threw himself with like it seemed like no regard no. for anything. He's just like I'm just going, and it makes me like terrified yes. if he ever goes up against anyone that's like like a little bit more green yes. or know? not it's as like, strong as I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Miro, this is the Miro we wanted from the get go. Too, yes. I'm so happy mm. for him. Uh, you know, once I saw his tights, I was like, oh, he's winning. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you don't spend money on tights like that if you're not winning that belt um sooner than later so i was like if he's not winning here he's winning soon so um but yeah mm-hmm. no, I, I'm, I was happy for him you know he's finally in his like final form i feel like this is the mirror that we saw like you know go against john cena at wrestlemania you know um Although that was like the downfall after that match, it really feels like. But this was the mirror that we had like leading up to that match, at least the monster. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to see for a long time. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I loved all the Rusev Day shit. But like this whole streamer gimmick that he was doing where he first came in. I mean, it was so underwhelming. It just didn't work. I mean, this was the mirror I was like, you know, imagining in my head when he was a free agent. Like, oh, could you imagine like, you know, having Miro go against Kenny Omega or Hangman? you know cody like this is what i wanted the entire time so i feel like he's probably gonna hold on the belt for quite a while no my sentiments exactly like this is really what i've wanted to see out of him you know coming do you think it's more of like like did he have a lot of input on that storyline where he was the streamer because i'm i was like oh maybe they don't want him to go after the title right away because you know it's too obvious you know the big star from another company that shows might up be true but i'm sure the whole streamer angle was his idea since he's such uh-huh. a big streamer <laughs> like in real life yes. it just did nothing for me like I, I didn't understand the character he was going for um mm-hmm. i didn't like the way he came in not that like he didn't do good work with like kip sabin you know, I thought they had decent chemistry together, but at the same time, I just, he wasn't like, you know, must watch. So yeah. it felt like a very like mid card role for him, you know, more, sh- you know, more typical of the shit that he was doing in WWE at the time when he left, um, where like this Miro here, this is like main event Miro. Like this is the real Absolutely. deal. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, like I, it looks like uh, Lance Archer at the end of the match showed up. 
Um, I'm guessing that's probably going to be his opponent at, like, double or nothing, since Lance has now been, like, touched by the stinger and now seems to be, like, one of his <laughs> disciples, um, which kind of came out of nowhere, but whatever. Um, I can't wait to see Miro and, you know, Archer beat the shit out of each other. That's going to be phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> but I can't imagine Miro losing here. Um, I, I I think eventually you're going to get a rematch between Allen and, you know, Miro. Because Darby, at the end of the match, like, cut this impassioned, like, promo about, like, how he doesn't give a shit about the world title and how, like, the TNT belt is, you know, his main focus. So it feels like, you know, after he's done with, like, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, because I'm sure that's going to end up being some kind of, like, cinematic match somewhere down the line. Maybe not at the pay-per-view between him and, like, you know, Darby and Sting versus those two. Um I'm guessing like Darby will like, you know, get his rematch at least, you know, by the next pay-per-view. So all in all, I thought this was a great episode of Dynamite and a fantastic follow-up to like Blood and Guts. I mean, besides the Blood and Guts match, I think I actually enjoyed this episode of Dynamite more than last week's, honestly. No, I agree. This was an explosive Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) This was an explosive sequel to last week. Oh, God, Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been like, you've had that in your pocket for like a year since like the last 10 minutes? Like, I got to remember to make that dynamite pun. (laughs) Uh (laughs) It's been two years. I've been holding on to that. (laughs) I'm sure I've made Uh, it before. Probably. I just blacked it out. But uh, uh-huh. Double or Nothing is shaping up to be one hell of a card. Uh, we've got the Casino Battle Royal. Oh, we forgot to talk about Christian Cage. He had a promo in the back. Oh, yeah. Did an interview. Mm-hmm. He said he had an open contract uh, for one of Taz's men to, like, accept next week. But then we found out that Matt Seidel, like, accepted the uh, challenge. Uh, came in, talked a little shit. Christian talked about him falling. Um, it was a nice little uh-huh. one, so... Christian's such a smug little bastard. I love him. Uh, so, but it should be a really good match. Um, but yeah, so we've got uh, the Casino Battle Royal um, happening uh, with Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, and then we don't know who else yet. Uh, Whole plethora yes, of probably, stars. probably. We'll see if there's any surprises this uh, this year. We also have the AEW Women's Championship being defended by Sheeta against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Uh I, there's no doubt in my mind she's walking away with the title, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, Not a single uh, one. we have the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle in a stadium stampede match uh, where if the Inner Circle loses, they have to disband forever. Also, something we forgot to cover on this episode of Dynamite, uh, Hangman called out Cage. Um, you know, Brian Cage jumped him before their match, la- I think, like, two or three weeks ago, um, beat him in the ring uh, in, in, like, pretty quick fashion uh, and, like, took his number one contendership from him. For some reason, I really... And this is never going to happen because it'd be completely dumb booking. But for some reason, I really want to see Miro squash Brian Cage. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I just I feel like it'd be a crazy, like, way to boost up Miro, even though he doesn't need it. (laughs) And it would do nothing for Brian Cage. (laughs) I don't know why I keep thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that'd be so awesome. (laughs) Thank God you're not booking anywhere. (laughs) What if it gets Brian Cage, man? (laughs) I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway, Christian's getting slap happy. It's 2.30 in the morning. 
<laughs> so, but yes, uh, Hangman is going to be uh, facing off against Brian Cage at the pay-per-view. Uh, and then yes. uh, possibly tease, we have the Young Bucks going against Moxley and Kingston, who, if Christian gets his wishes, will be going by the tag team name, <laughs> The Wild Things. Isn't that right, Christian? Hell yeah. <laughs> that is a great name for them. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them, honestly. No. <laughs> You're totally going to get a shirt? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Day one. All right. All right. I want to see you wear it, damn it. <laughs> And last but not least, the AEW World Championship will be on the line in a triple threat match between Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac. Um, I, I'm assuming Kenny Omega is holding the title even after this. I think there will, of course, be some shenanigans. Maybe um, Pac takes the pin, but Omega is definitely still walking out as champion. Yeah, but I think they're going to leave a little like meat on the bone for, you know, Cassidy versus Omega down the line. Mm-hmm. So, but I agree 100%. But like I said, that was one hell of a dynamite. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a review for WWE's, uh, what the hell are they calling it, Christian? WrestleMania uh, Backlash. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mouthful, WWE. Come on, guys. It's all about branding, Christian. All about branding. It'll trick someone. (laughs) I guess. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours to continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, I'm super excited for next week because I'm actually going to be headed back to the theater for the first time in over a year to see Spiral from the Book of Saw. So we'll definitely have a review for next episode. All right, and I'm going to be reviewing Netflix is Love, Death, and Robots Volume 2. My name's Christian. Don't forget about wrestling, Christian. And we're, oh, and, yeah. And, and we're going to Yeah, WWE Backlash. Come on now. Yeah, sure. You know you're excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. And Bad Batch. Oh, yeah. And more Bad Batch. There we go. It's going to be a giant episode. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> As always. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Sign us out, Christian. All right. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show.